Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. When it comes to achieving your HR and business goals, there are lots of things that can stand in the way. Inefficient processes, piles of paperwork, unreliable partners. When you're bogged down in chaos, it's easy to lose sight of your goals. My guest today says he and his team are breaking down those barriers by building the tools and solutions that empower organizations to see goals through to the end. In this HR chat, I talk with Joe DeBay, CEO at Eden Workplace, a company on a mission to create better places to work. Founded by Joe and Kyle Wilkinson, in 2015 and launched out of the Y Combinator, Eden Workplace has expanded to become an all-in-one workforce management platform that aims to make it easier for companies to run their offices. Joe, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Bill. It's a real pleasure to be here. So quick background on me. I live in Manhattan. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Eden. Um, Eden Workplace is our is our longer name. Basically, what, what Eden does is, as you suggested, is we create software that helps people um, run happier offices, and we do that by um, enabling people to run a hybrid office or a more modern, employee centric office. Um, we do that through a suite of tools, and some of those tools include. Things such as visitor management, making it easier to invite visitors to your space and having them check in, even upload their vaccination cards for companies that are focused on that, to things like desk booking, booking a desk in the more uh, progressive hybrid office that we're seeing most companies move towards, and a number of other tools as well. And our broader vision is we think that we can make it a much more delightful and engaging experience for, for people to come to work and to go into the office, as well as engage with their company more broadly. There's a little context on us, and uh, we've been building it for several years. We're, we're backed by, as, as you suggested, Y Combinator and a number of other leading investors. We've raised $68 million to date, and uh, it's, been, it's been a pretty wild ride. Okay, thank you very much. Now then, a uh, pretty big question to, to get into the, the meat of today's discussion. How has the world changed in your opinion, in terms of what the modern organization is doing in their approach to work policies? And what are you seeing as some of the key trends, Joe? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's completely changed. When we were, so as context, um, we've seen our clients change dramatically. It, it, we, If you go back to prior to COVID, um, most of our clients came into the office five days a week. And it was... It wasn't even really much of a discussion. They, they did often have, our clients in particular, we have a lot of what I'd call fast growth tech companies who use our software. They tend to be on the more progressive side of HR policies. And prior to COVID, still most of them, there was a, there were, they usually have one HQ, a couple smaller distributed offices perhaps, and then maybe under 5 to 10% of their workforce being remote. And what's changed is now, if you look across our clients, it is something where they've transformed from being office-centric, where you know, the, the town hall of, the, of, of where news is shared is typically in their HQ, to instead being remote first and hybrid. And what that means is we're seeing them typically say, our town, our town square 
uh, is now actually some sort of tool. It's typically Slack or perhaps some sort of intranet tool where they're able to communicate with each other. That's where it's expected that you're going to be able to read often and, and know what's going on within the business. They've switched their meetings typically to being um, Zoom first or some other video conferencing solution. And so uh, trying to you know, do the best they can to create parity of experience across all their different team members and allowing um, and trying to be thoughtful around that. And they also typically still have an office, or if not many offices, but they've kind of reframed the purpose of the office from being something you have to be in five days a week to being something that um, you can usually attend somewhere between one and three days a week um, by company. And uh, it's something that we've seen two different types of policies really emerge. Either the come in as much as you want, the all you can eat policy, where some people can come in five days a week, some can come in never, to more of what I would consider a mandatory hybrid outcome, which is, you know, you will come in these two days of the week or, or whatever the, the number is by company. And uh, that's an enormous change. Five days a week to either um, mandatory hybrid or the more all-you-can-eat hybrid is, has had a dramatic impact on, on how these folks work. And it's also changed how they hired because now in a world where you have, um, you know, you have a, a much bigger remote workforce and you're a little bit less, uh, you stop selecting people as much based on exactly where they are, especially for, for certain teams that might not have a in-person uh, mandatory uh, policy. You end up with more like what we've seen across companies called 10 to 20% of the workforce intending to be permanently remote. And, um, and it changes culture. It makes companies much more global, and uh, and it changes the role of the office. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to hear actually. Um, firstly, you know what, what's what's your policy over at Eden? Are you guys fully remote? Are you are you hybrid? Um, are, are you are you all you can eat? I like that expression. Um, and and also, just personally, Joe, as, as a leader, uh, what, what's what's your take on on remote workers? Does it matter where they are, providing that they can still work? roughly within the same time zone or is that not even a consideration for you yeah so we are we are remote first and hybrid uh, much like really uh, i'm seeing that become a broadly a consensus across technology companies which is really interesting it wasn't obvious that that's where we were going to end up when covid started and people were taking very different stances across large companies um and what that means for us is we have an office in San Francisco that the, um, well, really what it means is that at the company level, we're, we're remote first and there are no specific rules as to where you need to work. We then push it down to the verticals and to the managers and say, hey, engineering team, you can decide based on the manager, you know, what you want your policy to be. Does that manager want to hire people just in San Francisco and have them meet in San Francisco? Um, does that manager not, not care? Um, we, we basically empower our managers to use their best judgment in terms of their own hiring policies. And what ends up happening in our organization is the marketing team has decided that they're fully remote um, in that there is no, they're fully remote, um, but they still have a hybrid. Uh, you can still come in if you want. Whereas the engineering team has said, you know, we are remote first and we actually do have mandatory hybrid. So we still have our, our primary town square for communication on uh, digital platforms like Slack. But we do expect um, engineers that we hire in the Bay Area to come in two days a week. And so it's been important to that 
leader within our company to develop a, an in-person culture um, for their San Francisco team members. And so it, it's, been, it's been very, it, it's varied by team, but the outcome has been a really cool one. And I can tell you that, you know, when we, when we were uh, before COVID, we were a team that was primarily in San Francisco, um, around 80% of us. And the remaining folks were in New York, out of the New York office. And now we are a team where around a third of the companies in San Francisco were in, in works out of that office um, with, you know, with, with a good amount of um, frequency. And then the other two thirds of the company can work out of WeWorks in LA and New York that we have, or they're just fully remote. And it, it's, a, it's a much more global team than we had before. Before you and I hit record, we're having a bit of a chit chat and uh, you were saying, Bill, it's incredible how much the, the HR department and the role of HR has changed uh, since, since I founded Eden. Uh, maybe, maybe you could expand upon that now, if you don't mind. Uh, I, I think that as part of uh, that chat before we got going, you mentioned the example of, of facility management. So um, t- tell us about what you've seen uh, in terms of the changes within HR. Yeah. So Eden, as we make software for the workplace, I've had a very specific vantage point into the changes in HR. Um, and also I'd say since we make software for very progressive organizations, um, as, as our, our, any company can use us. And we have, we have clients across many different industries who use our software for their hybrid offices and their offices generally. But we do have, I would call it product market fit or, or greater proportion of our revenue coming from tech, which tends to be a little, a little bit more progressive. Um, and a little, it's a little easier for tech companies to work in different unique ways because a lot of it is, is, is work that can be done from home. Um, and what I've seen is our clients have changed in their title since we started doing this. Initially it was all office managers. Um, it was all um, facilities managers were the ones who were buying software for the office. And what's happened, especially in the last two years, um, but it's been gradual. I've noticed it before that is that the titles have changed from being about the building, such as office manager and facilities manager, to being about the employee base. Uh, now they're often now those they're often called employee experience managers, or workplace experience managers, um, or people operations managers. And so we're watching someone who you know it's often the same person. It's not like all the people changed. It's often the same person, but with a with a title that's much more explicitly about their team members. And I actually think this is part of a broader trend of um, one of, of kind of the facilities and office stuff starting to fall into HR. It didn't always go into HR. Sometimes it went into the operations or under the, it, it, it historically had some other paths. Um, sometimes it went into even IT. And one, I, th- I think it, it's moving under HR. And I think it's also just companies more broadly, especially in the technology sector, but I think broadly, um, refocusing around from the building to their employees and recognizing that, especially in an overheated labor market, you have to be incredibly employee centric. And so we're seeing HR organizations, I think, grow in scope in, in now per, increasingly including the, the workplace function. And we're seeing companies um, kind of reframe all office related stuff from being about the building itself to being about how their employees experience it. And so I think it's, it's very cool and it's part of this broader trend of um, making sure that companies are competitive and that they are super employee centric. 
I once interviewed someone with the title Chief Happiness Officer. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, another big question for you now. In your opinion, what, what, are, what are some of the, the biggest challenges faced by organizations when it comes to firstly safely reopening offices? Because this is happening right now as we record this in mid-March and this show is due to go live at the end of March. And, and, and also encouraging employees to return to work and let me just add a little bit more context to that question before you answer that the second part encouraging employees back to work obviously when it was the alpha variant and and the beta variant and the delta variant there are a lot of fears about how dangerous uh coronavirus was i, I feel that most people accept that with omicron um the 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 um, the level of risk is far far lower and therefore perhaps people are less risk adverse than than previously um but anyway this is not an interview with me it's an interview with you so i'd love to get your take so um yeah absolutely i so the first question being the biggest challenges faced by companies when it comes to uh, reopening office safely and then also encouraging people to return i would say you know the the biggest challenge up front was as you suggested when people are very fearful of 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 COVID, you know, especially prior to a vaccine, but even up to, let's say, prior to, you know, to Omicron's, to the data that it shows, it seems to indicate that Omicron is a bit milder than the prior variants. I think the biggest challenge was making sure people felt, people knew that they'd be okay if they came in and, and, and giving them the right tools so that they would know that it would be safe. And so what we've seen companies do typically is they'll implement software that lets people upload their vaccination cards, um, it'll make sure they ask questions around, um, you know, how have you done anything that was, that was that made you at risk recently? Have you felt ill? Um, we, we've seen some clients even uh, get to the point where they, they will do a thermal check where they actually will check someone's temperature walking into the space. And then we saw a number of companies, especially more like kind of three to nine months ago, open up their offices, but require people to wear a face mask. And those were things that, you know, put people more at ease. We have one product that helps, that helps people do that called COVID Team Safety around, um, specifically around uh, letting people upload their vaccination cards and, and, and reserve a spot in the office and do contact tracing. I will say, though, that the, the, the conversation really changed around three months ago. And it went from being, how do you safely return to more like, what do our teams want to do now that, now that they can pretty safely return? Um, and when that conversation changed, it was interesting. We ran some, we've run a number of surveys that are administered by a third party. Um, and so, but, you know, we commissioned them because we want to understand how do people feel about returning to work. And what's very consistent across these surveys is around 85% of people, information workers, want to have access to an office. The thing is that over 60% want to have more flexibility than before. And so now in a world where we're a little bit less focused on, um, on COVID, it's more just about what is the workers' preferences in, in, this, kind of, in this world that has shifted policies and shifted habits. Um, what has come out is people still want to have access to an office. They just want it to be different than it was before. And so in encouraging employees to return to work now, what we're seeing is um, they, you know, they do want to have they want to have a policy that supports this, this, uh, this set of preferences. And that's what's really made a lot of folks 
start to push forward with a this this remote first but hybrid policy. And we're seeing with that kind of policy, our clients who have that um, tend to have really minimal attrition even during this kind of great resignation period. And we've seen clients that have other kinds of policies have more trouble, um, particularly policies that are five times a week. Um, and even policies, frankly, that are totally remote will have a little more trouble than ones that give someone an office but create flexibility in how they use it. Um, in that same poll, those same surveys we've done, we found that a little over 20% of people still wanted to come to the office five days a week, which is interesting. And closer to 15% never wanted to come in at all. Um, and so the, these findings um, really indicate that it, it's going to be hard to be a company with a firm stance on how everyone works when it's so heterogeneous in terms of preferences. And so the ones that are having the, more, the most success in terms of encouraging people back, you know, returning to work and not suffering from the great resignation at all are the ones that have incorporated flexibility into their policies. Okay, thank you. Let's uh, let's talk a bit about some of the the tech services that you guys that you guys also offer in addition to what you've spoken about so far, uh, and those those include uh, desk booking, visitor management, and room scheduling. Joe, um, traditionally, so first first off, set the set the context, set the scene. Traditionally, how how much of a headache and time suck was was that? You know, were those processes, and and also perhaps you can share what are some of the options available today to to make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's historically desk booking wasn't much of a headache prior to COVID because you had an assigned desk um, for most of our clients. You just, you knew you sat in the seat and that was your seat. Um, and you know, you had, you had your picture of your, your family, your friends, and you, you know, your, your particular monitor. And it was, that wasn't much of a seller before. Um, we actually built that product in response to COVID because now it's a huge headache and time suck for people to indicate in a more hybrid setting where they're going to sit on a specific day. And so with this new world in which a lot of companies, you know, slightly downsize their offices or kind of change the purpose of their offices from being a place where you do individual contributor work to a place where you do collaborative work with some desks on the side, we found that they needed a desk booking solution so that they could allow their team members to come in and work together on certain days. Um, this also relates to the concept. A concept started to emerge around neighborhoods where the engineering team wants to work together. Um, and then maybe the next day, the marketing team wants to work together. Um, and so creating parts of the office that were specific for the marketing or engineering or any other part of the company um, was something that, that we've incorporated into this, this desk booking product. Um, the visitor management product, you know, that's something that's always been a kind of a problem prior to COVID and is increasing, increasingly so now where people wanted to be able to invite folks to their office. When you get to the front desk, you want to have a seamless experience where you get to you know, check in on the kiosk, say who you're visiting, maybe get a badge printed out. Um, if anything, that problem's gotten worse post-COVID because now people are back finally to visiting each other in the offices again. And a question that exists now that didn't exist before is, well, is my visitor vaccinated? Because a lot of companies have um, policies where they want to have folks who are vaccinated in certain offices. Um, they require that in order for folks not to wear a mask. And um, in this world where you also care if the person's vaccinated, that's just one more layer of complexity. And so our, our visitor management product will allow companies, if they have that kind of policy, 
to require visitors to upload a vaccination card. Um, the product around room scheduling is an interesting one because this used to be an enormous headache prior to COVID, and it's a little bit less of a headache now, which was prior to COVID, you'd walk around an office and maybe you couldn't find a, a, a conference room that was available. People would kind of squat in them where they would just take it over for the day. And it made a lot of, um, it made it really hard to schedule in-person meetings. And it was just kind of annoying for a lot of companies because their conference rooms were always being just taken over by folks to do, make a phone call or whatever. And so this software enables you to reserve the specific conference room. It shows you who's in it. It shows you um, how long until it's free. Um, and we think in this post-COVID world, we're seeing a lot of companies still need the software because as they start to have the return to office, which has really been accelerating in the last month, but has been going on gradually, really since the vaccine was rolled out, um, that they're starting to have those similar dynamics of a lot of people in the office, some people, uh, you know, hanging out in the conference rooms and not knowing who it's reserved to. And so it's really helpful to make it clear who has the room when. Okay. Thank you very much. So far we've, we've spoken about a lot of um, contextual factors which have led to changes in the way that people want to work but another key factor that i do want to tick off with you before we look to wrap up today is um is uh, the fact that we've got five different generations in the workforce right now you know um 2022 i, I believe is the uh, the height of the uh, resignation of the boomers and they will be out of the workforce uh, in the next few years but right now we've got all these different generations uh working you know, either physically in an, in an office still or working remotely or a hybrid situation, whatever it might be. But maybe I can get your take on what are some of the generational differences uh, in trends that the workforce wants to see today? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, huge differences um, is, is some of the, the anecdotal, that we, anecdotal data that I've seen. And then empirically, in, all, in the surveys we've run, we've been able to just to, to slice up the data and the results by generation. And, and it's also quite revealing. Um, I think the, the interesting thing that we've observed, you know, within our company and, and, and anecdotally broadly is um, for the, the younger generations care about flexibility a little bit more than the older generations. And there's, I think a greater willingness to kind of just get back to the way it was with some of the folks who had been in the workforce longer in terms of, you know, go back to five days a week. Um, and I think we've seen with folks who have had a little bit less time in the working world prior to COVID or in some cases, none at all. Um, they've, they've gotten, they're quite comfortable with certain elements of the new normal and they want to see it keep moving forward. So I, I think there's broadly speaking, um, you know, a, 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 a greater desire for flexibility, especially among the uh, Gen Z and kind of younger millennials. That being said, what would, it, there's always tension in this data because what I've seen that also conflicts with this, it seems to conflict on the surface until you realize that there's a policy that incorporates both, is the people who want to be in the office most is interestingly, uh, the people who want to have access to an office the most are the youngest people and the most educated. So that stat of 85% of people want to have access to an office, it's 90% when you incorporate, um, when you incorporate age for, the, for uh, Gen Z, who are also college educated. And so there's this really strong desire among people at the beginning of their careers to build community. And 
to uh, have mentorship and to make friends. Um, you know, a meaningful percentage of people's friends can come from the workplace, but also they're, you know, they're, a lot of people meet uh, important people in their lives, just generally from those who they work with. And so we're seeing folks at the very beginning of their career, both within our company at Eden and across these surveys saying they want to be back in that office because that they want to build. And so it's, it's interesting that the youngest generation both craves more flexibility, but also really wants to have access to that space so that they can um, have tighter bonds with their colleagues. I'd say the answer is bang on. Uh, you know your stuff, sir. You know your stuff. Okay. Hey, listen, um, already we are coming towards the end of this interview, I'm sad to say. Um, but you know, we, we've looked at the stats and we know that our listeners don't like these episodes to be too long. Um, but before we do wrap up today, Joe, how can how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's through LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you, wherever you hang out. And also, how can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Eden? Folks who want to learn more about... Um you know, workplace software or want to, uh, you know, just see some of the data that we're always coming out with and content around the future of work. Um, you can check it out on our website, which is edenworkplace.com, E-D-E-N-W-R-K-P-L-A-C-E.com. And then you can also just email me if you have any questions. I'm, I'm very uh, available. And that's just joe at edenworkplace.com. You can also find me on Twitter. It's uh, Joe Dubay, TLDR. Um, and I would, you know, be happy to hear from you. Excellent. And there will, of course, as always, listeners, there will, of course, be links in the show notes as well. And uh, that just leaves me to say for today, Joe, you cool dude. You're, you're making a difference to the world of work. Keep it up. I've had a great time chatting with you today. Thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Yeah, thank you so much, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.